Laugh and Monk Music Show. Today we have on Bill Gruford. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, Sean. Good to meet you. Uh, I'm very pleased to have you on the show. You have been in every major band in the progressive world. You continue to keep, you know, doing things in the music world. Um, but today you have a box set out <clears throat> that I was lucky enough to get early and um, check it out. So that's the first thing we're going to hit on. I want to show this to people. It's beautifully done. I want to talk about the packaging. It's yeah, got a book, hardcover. Not bad, huh? Beautiful, beautiful picture, isn't it? You, you've totally written, explain the breakdown of how you have the CDs. Six I, have, I have indeed, yeah. Yeah, I and love writing. Writing is one of my great pleasures. And it's actually broken down and written in a very um, succinct way. We can talk about it in a second. And it actually even comes with a nice little poster, too. Oh, what more could you possibly want? Right. <laughs> Look at that. Look out, Teen Beat Magazine. This is pretty awesome. Um, who did the uh, <laughs> photographs? They're pretty, pretty cool. Uh, well, a guy called Dave McKean, who yeah. was, has been doing work for me for seven, the last seven, eight, nine, or oh, maybe maybe a dozen albums now and, and the last box set. And, okay. a, and he's established a real kind of uh, a real flow in the artwork, joining the various Earthworks bands together. Yeah. So Dave was the, the logical choice for this project. Yeah. They're beautiful. It's really done really well. Mm -hmm. um, packaging is done. Uh, so 70 songs in this. There are indeed 70 songs. Not all of them have lyrics, but you guys call them songs. Instrumental pieces. They oh. have songs, I guess, you guys. Yeah. Um, so th the breaking down, this is of all of your career. How did you go about selecting the best things that would represent you? Because there's a lot of different levels in, in picking out. Uh, yes. Yeah, it was, it was tricky. I mean, um, you know, there's a number of parameters. Uh, first of all, you've only got, well, you've got six CDs. Yeah. But six CDs are not going to run forever. That's going to break down to roughly 70 tracks. But somebody like me has been on a lot more than that. So what are you going to pick? So I suppose one of your first decisions is, are you going to pick um, a lot of tracks from very few artists or very few tracks from a lot of artists? Right. That's the way to look at it. And in the end, in the end, we've got a balance of about 70 tracks from 21 different ensembles that I'm on. Um, obviously, some were on, I was in some bands for a lot longer than others. Yeah. So um, the longest band I was in was King Crimson. So they get in a way the, the, the longest slice, some 15, 16 tracks. Um, yes, I wasn't in for very long. And of course, their tracks are very long anyway. So it's about three of them. Um, Earthworks, of course, have been running for about 20 years now. So there's plenty of Earthworks. Uh, and lots of other material from guys for whom I worked as a kind of special guest uh, or studio musician. So it's not really broken into, it's not necessarily chronological. No. It's, it's, it's broken more into themes, really. We, musicians play under different guises and circumstances often. Sometimes you're playing for people um, as a, as a, as a, as a special guest, or you could be playing with others collaboratively in, in sort of progressive rock groups. You could be performing as a leader. For example, you could be performing without a leader at all. So musicians often do that, and you need to know what circumstance it is that you're in so you can find where the power structure is. position. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's broken, the, the box is broken down into that kind of arrangement. I said, well, I, I love the way it's broken down, and you'd say it much better than I would. Um, the other thing is you have the, the pleasure of, which not a lot of artists do, 
being the generation that you can see all the influences of all the work you've done from the newer artists, you know, which has got to be kind of cool where it's not um, the short period where it's a copycat of, of a King Crimson band it's or a yes band or earthworks. Some kind of jazz thing. Like it's, you know, many years past where you can see people grew up listening to it. It's just infused in their minds. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, you know, I was in a way luckier because there were fewer influences and fewer right. records, less music had been done. You know, so when I was a kid, there were about three rhythms and you could take down one from the shelf. You could take down a shuffle, you know, it's kind of mm-hmm. thing, a swing beat of some sort and a rock beat. You know, and that was about, that was the extent of drumming. But if you look now to musical influences that people have, it's just huge. You know, they, they can they can uh, range all the way from the 1940s through to the 2020s, and that's a long time. So there's a huge body of work now for young people to to feast on if they want to. But here's the weird thing, and it's kind of odd. When you speak to a lot of young guys, they haven't heard very much music. They, they tend to listen in a very narrow bandwidth. I agree, very linear. You know, if you go to young people, 16, 17-year-olds and stuff, say, oh, you want to be a drummer? That's interesting. Who do, who's your influences? You know, of course, they'll say John Bonham or something. But he might say, well, you know, I, my influence is Limp Biscuit or, or something. You, right. you know what I mean? I, it's a single band. And I'm going, well, what about Spanish music from, you know, from the 1950s? What right. about, you know, what about heavy metal? What about jazz? You know, because all this stuff is available. And I'm always surprised and encourage young people, if I can, to listen as broadly as they can backwards in time and forwards in time you know i agree i i one thing i say all the time i'm like I, it's always about a deep dive if you hear your artist your favorite artist likes a musician who do they like and then you follow that trail yeah indeed and that's absolutely a, an education that you really need yeah and there's a big intergenerational thing about this box set you know that that there's a, this huge divide of people you know about 40 45 i'm not sure how old you are but i'm older than that so i'm i'm the old analog guys you know i i yeah I had to, had, to make the, had to make the digital jump yep. and everybody everybody below 40 rough or 40 45 is is you know in the new world of computers and so forth and <clears throat> generally speaking when i meet the young guys they have very little knowledge of the sort of thing that we older guys have done mm-hmm. however when they hear it they really love it so it, part of me is intrigued in trying, trying to get young people to listen to some of this stuff of, of my colleagues and on this kind of box right. set and try to pass some of the music down to the next generation behind us. Excuse me. <coughs> well, I think this is the, the way you select what you select is a very, a very, um, very broad for people. There's a lot for somebody to jump into. Now I got this a couple of weeks ago. I don't know. And in the knowing a lot of your work already, it's still yeah. a lot to keep consuming because I listen to music and I always hear something new every time and I'm always picking apart. So, um, and I, I actually learned to record in the analog. So I, I go back. Um, but even I've discovered yeah. different things or had a different appreciation for other pieces of projects. I didn't know you did. Yeah. Which is fantastic to always keep rediscovering things from an artist that you've been listening to forever. Yeah. It is interesting. It's a gift. Oh, did he play on that as well? Oh, that's yes. weird. He's everywhere. Did he sleep at all? Bad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, was that Bill Bruford playing the drums there? That's always, you know, nice when people are surprised, I think. Yeah, I mean, I listened to Alan Alan Hallsworth thing, and I'm like, oh, Bill's on that. Like, I used like, you didn't know, just because there's so much. And and because of, like, um, media and streaming, that's the other thing people don't understand, the credits of no one's holding something and looking at it. 
Oh, that's interesting. You're being your player, so you're not seeing all the musicians. And at this point, it can escape me at times because I have to stop and scroll it up and find it and my eyesight. And you know, isn't that interesting? I I hadn't thought of that. Streaming means you just go straight to the track title and maybe the artist, but but yeah, everybody else. Whereas in my generation, of course, we love finding out who the second bass player was. You know, I I, I go into PBS here with the vinyl and I got to open it. I got all kinds of. It's it's an experience. Of course, it's it's an adventure. You know. but with this, it, it, I think it's, it can lead a lot of things to a lot of people. Um, like I can hear you know, bands like Primus have obviously been very influenced by like by King Crimson. Yeah, well, throughout um, the throughout the book, and it is a book, or it's not even liner notes anymore. It's no, no, it's a book, book you know, fifty-two page book. Um, there's quite a lot of illustrations. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, well, I beg your pardon, uh, quotations from other drummers. Yep. Uh, you know about what it is the music did to them, which is really nice. Some of them are quite young, of course, which is nice. But it's nice, it's different ages, though, you know? Yeah, yeah. So everybody will have a chance of, oh, I know that one, even if they don't know everybody from the different generations. It's a nice slice into it. Sure, sure. And sometimes the commentary that I've offered gets quite detailed uh, down to, you know, why don't you listen here at this this minute and this second through to that minute and that second. And, and over these 10 seconds, you'll hear something, you know, I, I can comment on things for you, which is quite good fun, I think, you know. It's incredible, That's, I mean. <clears throat> there's a little you know it's nice for musicians for example to occasionally play things they never heard themselves play before be totally unaware that legs and arms are going where they're going and you think how where did that come from you know but you might say to me well where could you point that out to on the box set and i'd say we'll go to the track the sound of surprise and between this it's in this is in the text uh you know between this number and that number and you'll hear me playing something i've never ever heard before you know, not from anybody else, or from particularly not from me. So I find those moments encouraging as a musician. Wow, I can do, you know, I can play some stuff off the back of my head, which is nice, for example. You're an exciting musician in a way. You're from the generation of musicians too. Like, I uh, actually talk about quotes. Uh, Robert Fripp actually talks about you're willing to throw everything away to go, to, go on to something new, which is yeah, awesome. Yeah. And to we, me, it feels like... And let me add, you correct me if I'm wrong, but you're really about the journey and not so much about the ending. It's oh, totally. Clear. Totally. It's the being of a musician. Yeah. How it all ends up is might be beyond your control. Right. But I think I think that's what you're paying me to do, you know, is is to as to do interesting things on a drum set that are not necessarily the same thing next week that you heard last week. And, right. and maybe not, not even the same thing that in Cleveland that you heard in Cincinnati, you know. That these the the musician is moving forward and he's l- inviting the listener to come on the journey with him, and so he might start in yes, and he's going to go through King Crimson. There'll be more of a jazz thing here, and then you know, and this this roller coaster ride over 40, 41 right. years or so, I think is it's entertained the heck out of me, and if it's entertaining the heck out of me, it might well have a chance of entertaining you too, or put that the other way around, if it's not doing anything for me. I swear it's not going to do anything for you. You see what I mean? I get that. I mean, I think for the deep listeners, some people appreciate things on a different level. I think if you have <laughs> listeners, the ones that are going to hear it and maybe not pick it up on streaming or people like me that will have the box that will have it and, and kind of deep dive. And then the middle, the middle fans. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. To, to that though, like, let's talk, I just want to hit on it because there's so much to talk about. I want to, do everything but in disc one and two you talk about being the collaborator and those are the bands you have like yes and king crimson um anderson buford 
Wake Moon Howl, all those bigger projects a lot of people know. Yeah. Um, and one of the things with that, and then also you work with a lot of other people, I think being a songwriter and you, you talk about writing songs and learning to write songs and, and, and being a part of a band and, and being a leader and different things, but the challenges, the dynamics of songwriting and, and the relationships are all very important in each of the bands and how the songs come out. You know, like how you came up with um, you know, Heart of Sunrise, that is, there's nothing like that when that came out. Like, you know, and the dynamics of the band to, to put that together is always amazing to me because yes, has strong personalities and King Crimson does, but how do you find your way through to do that? Yeah, well, it's a good, good question. And it's, it's, it's subtle. It's, it's, it's a group of musicians, all of whom have got strong ideas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and right there is a big question of luck. Are these guys going to get on well? Are they even talking from the same ballpark or not? Are they, do they understand each other? We were from very different musical backgrounds. And that's quite good. You know, yes, of course, it'll be very strange. Why are you playing that there? You know, because you're not from my background. But you'll say, well, from my background, we do it that way. And you, you, you know, rather than run out the room and say, well, that's no good. This group will never work. Um, it's going to be a harder slog, but you'll get something a bit different. Let's say you're another British group, Black Sabbath, and, and, and they're all born in the same street in Birmingham. And they all speak exactly the same language, went yep. to the same school. Uh, and ate and drank the same the same bread, cheese, and beer. That's all okay. That's fine. But they're all likely to think very similar. Whereas we had, you know, musicians who who were from the Royal Academy of Music and also who were milkmen in the previous life. You know, who were laboring men. You know, yeah. so 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 you have a huge range of technical ability and musical ability within this particular group of people let alone their, their, their worldview and their view of life. So eventually you've got to find some common ground and you do that by playing standards. We were a covers band. Yes was a covers band when we started and we played everybody else's songs. And then we thought, oh, this is pretty easy. We could, we could, um, we could extend this bit or we could reduce that bit, you know, or play it backwards or, or uh, double the length of this and, and put that melody in the bass or something. And we started to fiddle around with those songs, like the Beatles songs and stuff that we did. Uh, and then pretty soon after that, one step later, you're doing a Heart of the Sunrise, where you've decided you're doing the whole thing yourself by that point. You've just extended things. So it was incremental over three or four years. We didn't just start with that particular song. It took a little while. So record companies back in the 70s had a better time. You know, we produced two terrible, two records, first of all, didn't make a dime. We we were we were down to our last fifty bucks. And three albums in, we were down to no money whatsoever. So it was it was touch and go as to whether yes ever just got through the gate, you know, to make a good band. But you, in, in doing it though, you guys did create, you know. Luckily, the record there are record companies that would nurture you back then. That's not going to happen nowadays. Um, yeah, and and that that could be a reason why there's going to be a lot of weird artists coming out in the future because nobody can will have that growth period you know it'll be different you know it's a new landscape um, indeed completely but but to that point though i mean you guys are all very different personalities and at what point is it as an, as an artist going to say let's try your idea over mine or mine's right and that's where you get the you know because part of being you know a good songwriter you, you you can sacrifice and trade off or or you know your ways the best and part of being an artist is having you know 
being strong, <laughs> you it know, is. and facing adversary. And then if you're your own band, you're almost may have to battle out sometimes, or that's where you give in, you know, and that's where the collaborations is, is your challenge. All in, interpersonal relationships. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, certain amount of horse trading, mm-hmm. you know, me and the bass player, we really like this and we're going to do it this way, whatever you think the song is, you know, yeah. sometimes you're going to get very assertive. Sometimes you're going to give way. Um, and it's, it's a co- collaborative endeavor and, and everybody signs up to the idea that if you accommodate others, they may, their idea may be just as good as yours, right. you know, and anyway, there'll be another song coming up soon and you could have a go with that instead. Right. And, and then like, then you end up with King Crimson and, and, and with Robert being a strong leader of that band. And, mm. but sometimes in certain situations, the leader is good and some bands need a leader and some bands don't, you know, it just depends. You've been in every kind of band where you've been part of the team, you've had yeah. a leader, you've been the leader, you've yeah. been a collaboration of everybody where everybody's a leader. All variations. And, and that's exciting as an artist, I'm sure. I mean. Uh, yeah, no, no two days are the same in the office. Uh, that's, that's for sure. Is there a one you favor a little bit more, maybe? Looking back, I mean, like the, well, the well, process. I mean, I've been a different musician in different different times. When I, when I was young, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to uh, improvise or, or play a concert all the way through without any prepared music whatsoever, which yeah. is really scary. I tell you, that's a terrifying thing to do. <clears throat> I wouldn't have been able to do that when I was. 25 but at, but at 65 I knew what I was doing I could do that um so you grow into into whatever it is you want to grow into and, and you you mature I think um and it's nice it's great that's what the journey is as you say it is you play with so many people is there been a difference like with your with you having work with so many different people you play with so many great guitar players obviously you know and yes and King Crimson yeah. but you've also you know with Alamilo, you've done um, Al Holsworth in, in UK and other projects. You even did a jam with Eddie Van Halen. I mean, it, I'm, I'm not sure I did. Isn't that a kind of? I don't think I've ever played with Eddie Van Halen. Where there was a come? link on there that says it was you and the drum ring, and I couldn't see the drum up close. And it looks like it was you at a jam. Even even looking at the internet again, for God's sake! I, I heard it's all real. Jeez. Well, no, I, I'm here to tell you, I don't believe I've ever played with Eddie Van Halen. Bless okay. It's so, like a Les Paul jam or something that actually has you listed on it and you can't get a close-up shot of the drummer and it's everybody else. And you've played with so many people, it came into my feed. Well, it's, it's, it's possible I'm wrong. But <laughs> I could be wrong. Anyway, I, anyway I, I play with a lot of people. I yeah. know what you mean. And, and they're, yeah. all different, they're all different human beings. I'm all about people rather than the instrument. You know, I, I get on well with most people. But if I feel that the guy I'm talking to is on the same wavelength musically, it doesn't really matter so much what instrument he plays. Right. You know, I, I, we'll take whatever instrument you play so long as we're on the right thing, I think. And look at the difference in the guitar players too. The difference between Holdsworth and Fripp is huge. Holy. Between Steve Howe and uh, Aldi Mueller, huge. Again, these are the way these individuals approach the same instrument, basically. Adrian Ballou, there's another great guitar player, but he's much more about noise and texture and sound. Al Demiola is all about notes. So, you know, I mean, there's people, people make their choices and and it's just a privilege to play or to be lucky enough to play with so many great, great people. I think interesting, not great necessarily, interesting people. 
wow, I never thought the guitar could be played like that. You know, you go in. And you're rather hoping that they will be saying the same thing about you. Wow, I never really thought that drums could do that or would want to do that or could make that, that thing that you're doing could make that sound good. I would never have thought that would go well with my guitar playing. You know, that kind of that kind of way of looking at things. And if you can if if you can get musicians to say that about you, you'll always be wanted. You know, they'll give you a call. Hey, come and make me sound great. And it's and it's the thing is with, with you, you've you your styles change a little bit, but with all those all these songs, like listening to it collectively, everything comes across as the drum is part of the team because like you know there are times like in the with heavy metal and certain groups that like the drums were in the back and bass was here and then it was focused on this and this yeah but, but the 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 thing that can uh goes through all of your songs is the drum has its own voice it's not yeah the back it's part of the ensemble it really is it it really is and you would hope i would hope that none of the none of the drumming on this track is transferable to that track. No. Why? Because the music's entirely different. So the drums are entirely different for very good musical reasons. Over there, they were loud and played with sticks. And over here, they're very quiet and they play with brushes or fingers or something, you know, whatever it is. But, but every time you're hoping to change the drumscape so that there's an endless variety of, things you think god is that still the same guy playing that song is the same the guy four cds earlier and you're looking for a breadth of the instrument to try to show people how wonderful the instrument it is and, and how powerful the track on the 70 that even are similar i couldn't say oh that sounds like this one there's nothing that you're drumming yeah, sounds yeah, the same yeah. at all yeah you know yeah and that that's very telling that's, um yeah you also went through a phase where you were doing you, you were in Big proponent of doing electric electric drums and mixing it. Oh, electronic even. Yeah. Very exciting and very cool. You want to lead people doing that. Can we touch on that a little bit too? Because that actually plays into a lot of your your other years. You know, when you went back to King Crimson and you started doing earthworks and everything else, and, you know, you're really experimenting and reaching out a little different. Always leading. Yes, yes, trying to. And uh I just jumped on electronic drums. I mean, I, I thought there was a whole possibility they'd, they'd help me sound different mm -hmm. you know I, I might not sound like the next guy i'm always trying to avoid sounding like the next guy never wanted to sound like john bonham at all you know what i mean right. so i'm steering in the opposite direction paddling in the opposite direction as fast as i can i don't want to sound like that um so along come these electronic drums and they were rough work i mean they were unreliable they were, you couldn't really understand it added to which they had the world's worst promotional campaign you could ever believe. Did they? Which was broadly along the lines of, hey, drummers, burn your drum kit. You'll never need an acoustic drum kit again. The future is here. That, that kind of thing. It was just so patently stupid. So they got a bad rep. But again, I don't mind if I see people leaving, leaving my area. That's fine. Leave, leave me with these, these things. Let me settle with these. And I went through various incarnations over about 10 20 years maybe of these uh, electronic drums everything was always physical i always you know you're programming but then you're striking the sounds out of the pads yeah to get to get things to do differently different different sounds of course and then it got through sampling and, and assigning samples to different areas of the pad so it could get really pretty sophisticated um and a lot of the time in earthworks 
most people thought that the keyboard player was playing many of the parts because they did come from the keyboard, but they were struck from a drummer's point of view. Triggering them, yeah. Yeah, triggering them. So there's a classic, he was Waiting Man with King Crimson, was a lot like that. Um, Stromboli Kicks from Earthworks. I think that's on the CD, I think. Yeah. Um, Candles Still Flicker in Romania's Dark is... I like that one. The drummer, it's a very slow, very melancholy ballad. Mm-hmm. Is the drama playing electronic drums, etc., etc.? So, the the drummer by this point has got a hybrid drum kit, you know, half electronic, half acoustic, um, and a vast range of color and power that he can produce as and when necessary, or with withhold as necessary. I think added to you your own not mystery, but like a lot of people couldn't copy you, like even a cover band because. You, yeah. you said that you know because none of would have that same setup you would have because you'd have a mixture yeah. or a hybrid and you've also said and this is fantastic you can probably explain it more but you don't you didn't build a drum set and then build your songs around your, your cool looking drum set you had a song and you built your drum set to go with the, the music in, in a way yes yeah this is the kind of music we're going to do so we obviously would have, we, we don't need those kind of drums you know we don't need a set of timpani we're going to be playing this kind of mm-hmm. music you know, so it's a simple choice. Drummers can't bring everything to the gig. But what you do bring is going to color the music a lot. Right. Um, and I was always interested in bringing interesting and unusual things to the gig. Although, of course, in jazz, that's tough. Right. You know, because of transport costs and logistics. Hey, you, you really, I mean, hmm. I guess we could say it's like more of a prog rock, but you, I guess you touch everything with the fusion and you do some rock and there's a lot of jazz, you know, and all your bands that you really can't classify it as one thing i don't think i mean no i have you know if we if there was an edict that came from the white house tomorrow which said nobody in the united states is allowed to use the word rock or jazz again i think it'd be great you know because both both phrases are useless to me they they just they just and and sitting on the borderline between the two is where i've spent a lot of time I like that. Is this is, is this jazz or is it rock? I don't know. You, know, you tell me. You know, I couldn't tell you. I think it's more adventurous. I'm not one to label stuff generally. I mean, sometimes it's clearly a, a genre, but for you, I guess progressive would only mean instead of the insurance company, it's more of just you're progressing and moving forward. You're adventurous. You're not locking into a sound. I guess you know. Yeah, of course. I, it was a rhetorical question. I didn't mean you to answer. No, that's okay. <laughs> but to me, I wanted to put that there. I think. With all these artists you've worked with and collaborated with, and a lot of them, you go, the band will break up, then you'll leave and you go back. And, and, and historically, you know, a lot of bands, once you break up, you don't get back together with them, especially with strong yeah. personalities. So it's interesting that the music, I think the music has always spoken more to all, the, all of you guys and all your different projects than anything, really. Yeah, that's, that's perfectly true. And, and I, you know, the, Guys I work with, particularly the Europeans, are more guided, I think, by the the the, the direction that the music is taking them, mm-hmm. rather than the direction the record company is taking them. So you know, we would follow our own hearts, really. And you know, I mean, one of the main reasons the Beatles broke up was because they toured themselves to death, right. you know, and then with the wrong equipment, they couldn't hear themselves play, and it was bloody miserable. And fairly early on particularly in King Crimson, we fell into sort of three years and four albums together and then take a seven-year break. Yeah. Nobody knew that was going to happen, but that sort of did happen a bit, two two or three times. And that sort of makes sense, you know. 
and King Crimson sort of became um, a bit like a tool that you, you got down off the garden shed yep. to use in music if and when you felt it was a worthwhile tool to use. It was it the right tool to use, you know? And there are there were great times in the beginning of the eighties, for example, when King Crimson was full of new ideas and and uh, the well, you could do all kinds of things in music. You know, it's a very open time, great time to get King Crimson out to work again. You know, give it some new tools, give it give it rolling guitar synthesizers, Simmons electronic drums, and uh, I don't know fuzz boxes and God knows what, and and let it get to work with with those tools in an open in an open sense which is really nice and and those sounds didn't actually make them sound like an 80s band king crimson sound like a typical 80s band either even though they're using the same tools true true you can use plenty of tools differently that's right i mean that's and that's right. a good example that artists don't always have to just use the same thing and i actually think a lot of your bands were almost like were like your paint brushes for you you know i think so i i think so i i agree and uh, you know the the record industry but also the musical instrument industry it's all about hegemony. It's all, it's, all about, it's all about knocking everything together, squashing everything together. So we all play the same drum set. We all play with matching drums, you know. We all play the same keyboards on the same keyboard patch. We all played in the same tempo, 120 BPM. Why? Because that was the tempo that the machine came out of the box at and nobody could be bothered to change it. All that stuff leads you end, ending up where all music sounds the same for very good, obvious reasons. And, and it's a shame that to me, it does sound very similar these days, I think, much of the music, because it, it's all been funneled into this rather tight area. And, and if somebody didn't know you, I went to a younger generation, played all these different songs for them, they wouldn't yeah. know that this is all the same drummer. You know? <laughs> because oh, it's, oh. Not in, it's not in the world where people think like that, where you can go outside of the box, you know what I mean? Yeah, if, yeah I, I guess you're right. And, and, and I'm hoping this could be very inspiring to younger artists. And they can go, oh, you know what? This, 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 this set, you know, seven, yeah. different, 70 different songs here. And I'm a drummer. I don't have to be in the back. Dun, 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 dun. No. I can be as much in the band and as part of the voice of the band as everybody else. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, and I would encourage you to do so. You know, I think drummers some, sometimes are their own worst enemy because they say yes immediately to the first thing that this, the producer suggests. Hey, why don't you go out there and play four beats to the bar on the bass drum and keep a steady thing while we do this song on top of you? Yeah, you can settle for that if you want right away, but there's probably something else you could think of, you know, that would be a little strange thing. Why don't you hit the snare drum every fifth note, not every four notes? You know what I mean? Why don't you just come out of the box a little bit? I love when the the timing gets kind of wonky on things because you think you got it and you don't. Yeah, you, know, you can't get too comfortable. You can't get on the edge because you're like, "What's going to happen?" I don't know. You know, it's the movie. Yeah, I think that should be an element of surprise. Should be in everybody's performance. With um, all these different artists and all this different great music on these, what about practicing for you during those times? Were you do you ever just like say have your own little practice routine as you change? Because you've always been improvising anyhow. How did you keep your chops up yourself, like the muscle memory? I was. Uh... I was a keen, keen practicer. <clears throat> I mean, I worked hard. You know, I, it, it, I well, clearly, I didn't just, just, uh, you know, part of the great attraction to uh, uh, about popular music is that it's three chords and a backbeat, or three chords and the truth, whatever way you want to look at it. And, and the great thing there is that everybody can do it. 
So everybody does that, which is fine. But then there are these other irritating fellows uh, like me and Robert Fripp who want to do a bit more. And to do that, you're going to need a bit more technical ability to be able to make some other notes and, and have things do other things. Robert Fripp to this day is probably the only guitarist I've ever seen doing any practicing. Yeah. I've never seen a guitarist practice, you know. Oh, really? Generally not. But I mean, maybe, maybe certainly not in dressing rooms. Robert certainly, but most other, most other guys just, you know, they've got the chords and they, they know what it is. So that's that. Well, he's been very um, educated. And I was, uh, I was, uh, I studied hard and worked hard at getting, getting a technique, which I didn't find particularly easy. You know, that age between 15 and 25, when all you do is think, drink, dream, drums. You know, yeah. that, that's, all, that's all you're there for on the planet. Nothing else makes any difference at all. Right. Girlfriends come and go. Uh, but you're, you know, you're kind of dedicated to it, I think, at that point. At the end of which, you should have some serious musical ability with a bit of luck, if you've played with enough people. Which I think plays the fact every time Robert did something, you were back with the band. You were the most consistent member with him. I was, in a way. I was. I, I, what, I did do King Crimson over three or four decades. Right. Certainly. Not, not all the time, of course, but, oh, but quite a bit. And so it requires a fair shift of of thinking every time there's a new band. Oh, what's going to we? What are we going to do this time? We're going to yeah. what? We're going to play village music and rock. We're going to do what? World music. What, what are we going to do here? You know. So always a surprise. Yeah, he's. In, he, it was a very surprising band. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Robert yeah. with his his wife now always doing surprising little Sunday brunch videos. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think he's more popular now than he's ever been for sure. He he's when he's so serious, but he does his fun. He has fun. It just. It just adds to the flavor of it. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So as far as everyone else goes, this, this CD set, just get it called, you know, Making a, a Song and Dance. Um, I encourage everybody to get it. I just want to take this last couple of minutes and talk about you. Have a, you actually got a PhD. You've taken some time. You have a great website. And you are also got your, your YouTube channel going where you're... I do. You're showing people some stuff. We'll just touch on that a little bit so people know to go check it out. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think... I, I, all I ever want to do really is contribute to drums and drumming. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, and for 41 years, I contributed through a pair of sticks, you know, using a pair of sticks one way or another. I think now I'm more likely to use a pen uh, <laughs> and, and, and write and try to instruct a little bit or show people things, you know. So I've done a fair bit of lecturing, uh, been to university, got a degree and all that. And then I have... Uh, written academically on the topic of creativity and expert drummers um but more than that i think littered throughout my website and youtube channel there there are little not lessons particularly they are little witticisms little lectures little little um aphorisms little ways of looking at life that i think can make drummers different to their other colleagues you know make you stand out a little bit from the crowd so I think it's probably a website and YouTube particularly are, are useful places to go for, for getting great ideas. Not that young guys need old guys like me to tell them what to do, but sometimes we had one or two nifty little tricks. Yeah, it's fun to, to, to seek out different people and a different perspective can help shape you into something different. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. I, I must be terrifying. I imagine being a 19 year old drummer because you know, you look, you look out and all you see is people like me in the way. 
you know, and, and so much has been done and it's been done very, very well by a lot of great guys. Um, but I would encourage young people not to be deterred by that. Uh, you know, bringing your own fresh enthusiasm to things, doing it your way is really a great move to do. So don't feel you have to be perfect like Steve Gadd. Don't feel you have to be as good as John Bonham. Just get on with it. Note what those people have done and do something different if you can. Right. I would say there's already, you know, there's already been a John Bonham. There's always been a Bill Buford. We don't need another one. You don't need another one. I agree. We only yeah. need one. Be this, yeah. be, your, be your you. Be you. Absolutely. Be yourself. Yeah. That's the best. So all the links for everything is going to be on the show for everybody, the website, uh, YouTube, all the sites, and of course the link to get the, the, the box set. It's, I want to thank you for being on the show. It's been great. Sean, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much. I think uh, I've taken up quite enough of your time and uh, good to meet you anyway. <laughs> thank you very much. Sean.